Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode four of the North Meet South web podcast. All right, we are back and we are with our very first guest, David Hemphill. David is the maker of Push Silver. He is the co-host of Dads in Development, which is a cool new podcast. What episode are you guys on now, David, in, in Dads in Development? Uh, the next one will be number 11. Okay, number 11. Uh, so it's been out for a little while. Uh, David also has a CSS framework called Beard, which we're going to be talking a little bit about today. Uh, but we're excited to have you on, David. Thanks for coming onto the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, for those who might not be familiar uh, with you, what uh, what can you tell us about yourself? Where do you work? Uh, where are you from? What do you do? Give us the whole rundown. Well, like you said, I, my name is David Hempill. I'm a product designer and developer. You know, I'm what the kids call a, a full stack developer. <laughs> that's what that's what I like to do. I like to do the whole stack because I enjoy the the whole website building process. I'm a founder at Rebel Ventures, which is like a startup fund, venture capital thing. And if there's any energy left after that, I build products and take on side work with Monarchy, my development agency. Okay, so you you do have your own development agency other than Rebel Ventures? Yes. Okay, cool. I was not aware of that. I, I saw it on your... Um on your page there, on your own web page, but I did not, I didn't understand the connection there. I didn't know if it was like another company you worked for, but it's yours. You own that one. That's mine. Very cool. Very cool. So where are you from? I know you, we talked a little bit before we got started. You said you kind of had a, a long road into getting started with development. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, kind of how you got started when you started messing around with computers and kind of what your story is. Well, I'm from a small town called Lebanon, Missouri. Uh, it's right in the middle of the state. I got started with computers, man, I was like 15 or 16, and I'm 31 now. Uh, I started on these, like, these 386 computers. Do you know what those are? I don't know what that is. Michael, do you know what that is? Uh, that predates me slightly, but I know all of them, yeah. Yeah, so they have, like, floppy disks, and they ran Windows uh, 3.0 and 3.1. And so our our computer was pretty ancient. We, we got to play this game called Nibbles, which was like... <laughs> uh, it sounds fun. It was like Snake. It was like yeah, Snake, yeah. but it was on. Uh, it was sure. written in Basic, and I would. And there was another game called Gorilla that you threw these explosive gorillas at each other, and I I would up the lives on that so I'd have infinite lives by editing the nice. source code. Yeah, nice. That's the only way you could play the game. Um, <laughs> so I started writing websites on that computer. It didn't have the internet even. I had to. This is going to sound like a. I went up hill both ways in the snow kind of story but i would i would what i would do is i'd take a floppy disk and i would write in notepad the html that i wanted to to make the website with and i would go to school and that was the only way i could check it at school it's got because they had the web browsers there and i didn't have a web browser at my on my computer at home that is a pretty awesome story man that is really cool that you're right that absolutely does sound like something that you'll tell your kids someday you guys have all these cool new tools when i was a kid I had to take a floppy disk to school to preview my website. Yes. Yep. That's how we got started. And if I messed it up, it was just, oh, dang it. I, lo- I left a closing angle bracket out or something like that. Yeah. Know, it didn't matter. We didn't have CSS back then, so it didn't. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. And it was that was when Notepad was your editor too, right? Yep. 
Yep. No text, no syntax highlighting, nothing like that. Nothing. Nothing. It's pretty ancient. I remember the first time a friend of mine told me that he built a website in Notepad and I looked at him in complete astonishment. I, I said, what? Where, where did the images come from? How? I couldn't. <laughs> I just, I didn't get it. It was just a foreign concept to me. Yeah, that was, those days were weird because didn't even have CSS to really edit anything. Not even like junky websites like Dreamweaver sites. But Yeah. So I, I started making band websites, doing like frames and that kind of thing. Uh, my first professional web development gig was for a computer repair shop that I worked at. So I, I did some college classes for computer repair and networking while I was in high school and was also working at a computer repair shop. And so they decided that since I was pretty good at web development, that that's what I would do. And so I was 17 and I had my first professional web development gig. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it took me quite a bit longer to actually get into the professional web development sort of gig where I actually was doing it for a job. I did it for a long time just on the side. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess like if I... If I'm counting like years that I've actually been employed to do it, it's been about three for mm. me. So I think I'm the most junior developer among the three of us here. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't show. I'm the newbie. I'm the newbie in the group. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny because I see a lot of people that are like, man, these guys have probably been in it for like 10 plus years like me. And they're so much farther ahead, but it's actually they're, they've been in it three years, four years or something like that. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I've messed, I messed with it for a long time with, you know, I, I was, I was, I was back with you working on Notepad, um, you know, so I learned the very, very basics of HTML. And so I, I can't say that, you know, I've not done anything except for the last three years. I've definitely played with it for a long time, but um, only have, I've only been like employed to do it full time for the last three years, you know? So I started, uh, I, that was kind of like, I guess when I started with Laravel and stuff, um, and so it's kind of uh, kind of been that's been my road since then is like three years of, of pretty much Laravel and CodeIgniter, which has been about it's about it. Some, you know, some JavaScript stuff, of course, and a lot of and some front end things. Um, I guess um, I used to be a lot more front end than I am now. Now, I think I typically spend probably about 85 percent of my time uh, working on back end stuff. But but I guess I would consider myself a full stack developer as well. Kind yeah, of in that same bucket. I've kind of drifted towards the back end, uh, loving that more and more these days. I really, I guess, started off more as sort of a designer, and then I just liked to build the things that I designed. So mm -hmm. I guess I've always been full stack, but if mostly most of the stuff I do these days is is back end. And so you worked at a computer repair shop when you were seventeen, and then uh, you're working for yourself now. You mm -hmm. had a short stint at. Um, the music bed as well. I think a couple other a couple other places too, right? Yeah, I worked the music bed for about a year and a half before I went out with my partners right now to build Rebel. Before that, I worked at a a, a web agency for churches. They built websites for churches called Church Media. Okay. Um, and before that, what was I doing? Oh yeah, I worked at a church before that, and then that's where the the really glorious jobs come in. Before that, I worked on an industrial CNC machine cutting out uh, <laughs> boat dashboards. Nice. Nice. Then worked in 1,000-degree ovens doing vacuum forming. And before that, did technical layouts for neon signs. 
Um, so it's like drawing all the electrical stuff out on big rolls of paper. And then before that was pizza delivery while doing construction full time. And then, yeah, that's, and before that, that's when I had the first professional web developer job. So I've, I've done all sorts of stuff. Oh, and oh yeah. And I worked at a church and started a church in the middle of that too. (laughs) That's incredible. That's quite the, that's quite the uh, resume there. How does that even fit on a sheet of paper? I kind of doubt it. (laughs) Yeah. I'll leave some of those off. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I uh, sometimes tell people, right, like you have to have some of those crappy jobs so you realize how good the job you have is, right? It makes you more thankful for the job you have when you've, not that, I mean, I don't mean to disparage people who have jobs that don't, you know, get to sit behind a computer monitor, but right, I worked at a factory where we made pool liners for a summer in like, you know, there was no air conditioning. It was horrible, yeah, horrible heat. And after working at something like that, you're like, oh my, you're so thankful for the, the job that you have now because you know how, how difficult and how hard some people have it, you know, just to make a living. So for definitely, sure, definitely thankful. So I, I went from that drawing the technical layouts for neon signs and I got canned one day because the owner of the company wanted to hire his cousin to do the same job. And so like I had to find a job the next day. And so mm-hmm. I went in yeah. some temp agency thing and like, yeah, we got a job for you. And it's in thousand degree ovens. Uh, okay. And so I just did that. And I did that for a year, moved up to the CNC and then wound up uh, working on a laser cutter for that after that. And that's, I was kind of like moonlighting because at the, on the laser cutter, you could cut parts out and it would take like two or three hours to do like a hundred parts. And so I had access to the internet and everything. So I could just, I was just working on building my web skills at that point. While that's a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really nice. I tell people that sometimes like I have a a sister-in-law who works at a hospital at nights and you know, there's like nothing to do. I'm like, you need to learn how to code. She's not interested at all, of course, but I'm like (laughs) thinking to myself, like, what could you do with that amount of time? Like if you were literally just sitting there, she, I think she binge watches, you know, Netflix shows, but, Mm. uh, yeah. Well, that's probably the only other alternative. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's the way I would be. I'd be teaching myself something. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so David, tell us a little bit about a little bit more about Beard CSS and where that came from, and why you decided you had a need for that. Well, uh, Beard, which just released 2.0, uh, it represents kind of like the last few years of me working through structuring CSS for you know fairly large projects in fast-paced environments. So it's kind of like the most convenient ideas that I've had for CSS structuring is. Mm-hmm. Is that a way to say it? That doesn't sound very intelligent, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. I, I understand that. I, you know, I've had a lot of these. I was looking through the documentation, and I feel like I'm tempted so many times to have uh, inline styling on that one heading where you need like yeah. a little bit more margin or a mm-hmm. little bit more padding. And I guess I've never really seen. Maybe I'm just behind the times, but I've never really seen a uh, framework like this one where it's very much utility based, um, where you have all these margins and paddings and text colors and background colors and everything just set as classes, which has been really interesting. I've never approached it like that, but the more I looked into it, um, I guess it's kind of a change. um, What's the it's like a paradigm shift of kind of how I would view CSS, Mm. not in a bad way. It's just different. is that what you'd ba- is that what you'd call it like a utility based? CSS I would call framework? it atomic atomic CSS. Okay, okay. Not to be confused with atomic design, which is a different sort of styling 
approach, but it's Atomic CSS. Some places that have a, their own frameworks are Yahoo. They have a really crazy one. Um, BuzzFeed has one. And there's a few others. There's uh, Inuit as kind of atomic -y. I'm trying to think of another one. But yeah, it's basically just relying on the single utility class for everything. And, and beer takes that all the way to a crazy extent. I think all those kind of have a middle ground and Beard goes all the way with it and really relies on just making everything a single utility class. Yeah. So yeah. like when you're making a, one of the, one of the examples you give in your documentation, you have, for example, a button that you kind of style up. So you add a little bit of margin, you add in some padding, you use maybe a branding color for the, for the background, and then you use white text. Um, so I guess one of my questions would be, so you would package that up or you would just leave those classes all on that button? I would leave it all on the button as classes. Okay. Um, the, the only time I try to, or the only time I will dive into like a specific button sort of class is when the button needs to show up in a, a really weird position. And you might need some crazy absolute positioning or some sort of really specific instance of that button in a, in a layout. But as far as like the general look of a button, I'm going to rely on those utility classes because they'll, they'll take care of everything. The backgrounds, you can get the padding based on the scale that you, you define margins, text color, letter spacing, borders, hovers, active states, you know, all of that's defined yeah. in beard. Yeah. So, for for someone who's who's looking at starting a new project and wanting to pick a CSS framework, a lot of people will reach for Bootstrap, I guess, just because it's familiar or because it's prominent. The downside with that, obviously, is you you get pretty much a cookie cutter website that looks the same for everyone, unless you're looking at styling it. Why do you think that uh, the Atomic approach is a better one or is it or is it purely subjective would it come down to the size and the scale of the project or is it just really personal developer preference i think it is it the answer depends it's if you need to get started fast and you know that most of the components that come with something like bootstrap or foundation uh are going to suit your use case and i would probably go with that the problems i've seen are that when you've built a product, even like a prototype on something like Bootstrap or Foundation, and you try to deviate from the styles that are inside those frameworks, it gets really painful really quickly. And so that's the where something like Beard is helpful to start with, where you have a lot of flexibility in the way you can build projects, but you're not like defined, I don't know, you see a lot of bootstrap sites that continue to look like bootstrap sites well yeah. into several years into the project. And I know from experience that getting out of one of those frameworks once the project uh, matures is really hard mm -hmm. and yeah. winds up needing a full rewrite. And so I've kind of just avoided yeah. it because I have gotten pretty quick with the Atomics approach. Yeah, I think it's something that once, as you say, you learn all the classes and, and you understand the philosophy behind Beard, I think, especially for things that start getting a little bit more pixel perfect and, and where you need those sort of utility classes to get things in exactly the right place. 
something like beard would probably be a, a better suit, I think. I'm doing a bit of work at the moment where we're working with our in-house designer who who starts scaffolding things against bootstrap, but then there's just the little variations of a button needs to be just a little bit outside of the standard grid and things like that. And we had uh, one of our offshore teams build the CSS for a couple of websites that I'm now working on, and they've got some utility classes in there, but they're inconsistently named or they've decided to use sort of clear fix divs for padding and things like that. So you can see that on a larger scale website, I think Bootstrap has its uh, starts to lose its usefulness when you start needing to make those tiny little tweaks. So something like this would probably be something that maybe people don't know exists, um, but certainly something that I feel looking at it and reading the documentation and seeing what you're trying to achieve with or what atomic CSS frameworks are trying to achieve is probably more suitable at that kind of scale. So do you see this being used as like a prototyping sort of CSS framework, or is this something you would use in full-blown production, like big website? I would use it for both. I start off all my prototypes with, with beard. And then it just so happens that it winds up being really working really well in production. Is there ever any difficulty with like consistency of styling? Um, you know, like, I guess that was my thing is I have to, uh, the button thing was, is what came to mind. And again, that's why I th- think for me, it's like a big shift in just thinking because there's always a use case where I need my button to be different than the, the standard button, which is where those utility cases would be, or those utility classes would be super useful. But maybe 75% of the time I need it to be the exact same. And so do I just, you know, copy paste that list of classes? Is that kind of how you work? I'll do that sometimes, but most of the time I can think through each sort of trait that I want the button to have. I know that I want it to have the first branding color. And so I can go BG one. I know that I want it to be white. So I go TCW and I can really, it's sort of like Vim. Once you learn the shortcuts and the sort of the mnemonic of it, you can just blast out a whole list of class really quickly and you could stay inside the HTML, which is sort of one of the, the benefits of something like Beard is that all the complexity is inside of the HTML. And I find a lot of times I don't even have to go to the CSS class or the, the file. That's pretty incredible. I've never thought about it like that, where you would not have to exit the HTML to do any of your styling. When you say it like that, yeah, that sounds really attractive, especially when you partner it with um, Emmet. Use Emmet, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you have like Emmet text expander sort of capabilities where you would say um, in your text editor, you'd say button dot bg1 dot tcw dot m1 dot p2 tab. And that would essentially make your button with all those classes without having to type you know, angle bracket button class equals quote and then type out all your classes, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose you could scaffold that stuff really fast. Yeah, it, it, that's one of the benefits of it. And I always look at the complexity has to live somewhere and it just seems to be more painful to have it inside a big SAS file split among a lot of f- different files, potentially different class names that you have to go in the inspector and look at it versus kind of def- uh, relying on the defaults that Beard provides and pulling those out, it just is a lot easier for me. Not to mention that feedback loop gets a lot shorter as well because you mm-hmm. don't have to wait for your SAS to recompile. You can just make the changes in your HTML, 
pull up your browser, hit refresh, and you can see straight away uh, the effects of what you've just changed. So that that's really handy as well, I think. Yeah. I saw the other day you tweeted out something about your active, um, let's see, what did you call it? Your fo- hover focus and active color helpers. I'm trying to find it here on the documentation right now, actually. I remember it was really very clever, kind of how you had how you'd put that together. So this is one of those things that is always a pain in the neck. If you ever need to deviate again from uh, from your standard button is to like set up the hover or the active colors to be different. It's always it's always feels like you're doing ripping something out in order to make it work how you want. But this makes it extremely easy. So if you wanted to have a hover color, you in your class list, you put colon and then the color that you want, right? So that colon yep. is the indicator that this is the color that you want for hover. And then for focus, it's two colons and then the color. And then for the active, it's just an at symbol and then the color. And I'll be honest, I didn't even know that you could do that. I didn't know, that. are those like valid class names? They are, you have to escape them inside the CSS, but they're valid. Uh, that's That goes along with something else that I tweeted out a few days ago, maybe yesterday, uh, I just found out that you could have periods in class names if, as long as you escaped them. And so that makes something like having a, a PV 0.5, which would be padding vertical of 0.5. I was doing like PV 0 dash 5 and mm-hmm. kind of just knowing that the dash meant period. But then I realized, oh, yeah, you can escape the period and you can just use that class. And you only have to escape it in the CSS. There's nothing you have to do special in the HTML. So the complexity lives in the HTML, right? And then the CSS mm-hmm. kind of just handles it. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, I remember, I, so I looked at that and I thought that was really, really clever. Is there, was there a specific convention you were kind of looking at when you decided to use colon, double colon, or the at symbol to specify hover, focus, or active? I, I got the idea from Vue.js sort of with their, like the at click when you're registering the event handler, mm-hmm. I thought, well, at looks kind of like an ace, so that could be the, the active state. And then I, the colon just was like, huh. I saw that in, it's because those are valid attributes. And I thought, well, I wonder if those are valid inside of a class name, if you can use that. And I just looked up, did some research, and turns out you can. So I was like, oh, this is perfect for hover and focus states. Yeah, definitely. And then since Beard is handling all the generation of that, you know, that makes it really easy to just string together BG1, BG2 with the colon in front of it, and then that symbol will do that. And you can do it for the text colors, the border colors, anything that needs colors, you can do it that way. Yeah, it was a super clever use of, of that uh, to make it just extremely simple to add those. So I thought that was really, really cool. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, I might use Beard for that reason alone, just to be able to put those in there. So I'm sure you were pretty happy when you figured that out. You're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, right? Yeah. It was probably one of those aha moments, like yeah, light bulbs. Yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah. And it, it still kind of has some constraints because you're only using the, the branding colors. So you can define the branding colors and you can make sure that they're only using those colors and not just some random color that they decided, oh, that's a blue and I'm going to darken that with sass 10%, you know, and it just chooses a random color. You're using a color in the branding that you set up. So it kind of functions as a little bit of a style guide there. Yeah, it introduces like some helpful constraints so that you don't have people just going off the rails with whatever colors they want. Mm -hmm. So just just, uh, tangential to the discussion on beard, 
you use that for your push silver service? Yes. Yeah, cool. So there's a there's a real life production site that we can have people look at as well. Yeah, and Musicbed has launched a few sites using classes from Beard. I think they've kind of hacked the, together their own half version of it because uh, it really the ideas were built around the needs that we needed at Musicbed with Andrew Del Preti. Uh, Good old Andrew. Yeah, so we were building sites, and we needed to be able to reuse stuff and make sure that we weren't breaking other parts of the of the site that were using those same, you know, content specific classes. And so, all of those ideas we kind of uh, joined together along with our Angular components into something we called Kombucha. And then, once I left Musicbed, I decided, well, I like all the the helper classes, and I want to kind of expand on those concepts. And so. That's when Beard came into being. What's this kombucha? What is this? How did uh, you come up with that name? Uh, I think Andrew came up with it because he drinks kombucha a lot. Oh, okay. Is is it a drink? It's a. Is it one of those things with like all those sesame seeds in the bottom or something? No, it's a like a fungus. It's like a, oh a fungus, an alcoholic fungus tea. That sounds like something Andrew would drink. Yeah, it's something weird. That's funny. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Push Silver, though. So you've built, you've kind of launched Push Silver with Beard, and um, and uh, I know it's how long has it been out for now? Oh, it's been out probably over two years. The version that announced that I announced earlier this year is kind of a, a revamping of the idea, but it's been around for about two years. I, so you could you could think of it as the first year was a, a stealth mode because nobody knew about it, not because I was hiding it. Nice. And so give us the elevator pitch. What's, what is push silver? Uh, it's just really, really simple invoicing. Okay. And so there's a lot of tools out there that do invoicing and they're just too complex and I don't like that. And so I wanted to build something that's built invoices, was able to email the client, the invoice, they were able to pay online without a bunch of hassle. And so that's what I built. Kind of scratched my own itch with the stuff I was doing with Monarchy. And it was an opportunity to kind of explore the the problem space so I could learn more about building a software as a service. Because I could have built it and just used it for myself, but then I was like, eh, I want to figure out how to do uh, a tenant app, you know, multi-tenant app. Yeah. So I chose that as an opportunity to do that. It's a good good choice as well. A lot of freelancers out there. Yeah, absolutely. Is it developer specific? Is this for developers only? Or is this, for, is this something that anybody can use? Uh, anybody can use it. I've got a couple customers that are on like that are filmmakers and then there's another one that does real estate so they'll they'll invoice for like roofs or something like that and just different things that people have told me about i'm going to be switching to push silver pretty soon actually i had a disaster a disastrous experience recently with a um uh, this company called wave apps have you ever heard of that Mm, i don't think so they do invoicing anyway similar sort of deal but they had it hooked up with Stripe. They changed versions or something kind of out from underneath me. And I had already sent an invoice and somebody paid it. So like, you know, it was like a couple hundred bucks, whatever. But it like just disappeared. I, I don't know where the money went. I, it, like, it's not in my Stripe account. I don't know if it's like their proprietary, like if they're holding the money, I have no idea how to get it out of there. But it's it's been miserable. That sounds really weird. And so how do you, you know, the, the questions then like, okay, what do I say to my client? Hey, like cancel that whatever and resend the payment. I, I still don't know what I'm going to do. 
Um, mm. But that was the point where I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna use Push Silver the next time I need to do this because I don't, I don't need to send invoices all that regularly. But when I do, I don't want it to be a pain. I just want to be able to yeah. do it and get the get the money, get busy getting paid. That's true. That's that's our. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's our Andrew Del Preti would be proud. This that's his line on the Dads and Dev podcast. Get busy getting paid. Yeah. Well, if you need some people that you know that use it, you got Taylor Outwell uses it. You've got Jeffrey Way that's used it before. Yeah, so. That's cool, man. They seem to yeah, like definitely it. Gonna, definitely going to check it out. I'll let you know what, what, my, what my experience is like. I'm sure it'll be better than Wave Apps. I hope sure. so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've talked a little bit about Andrew and we talked a little bit about Dads and Dev. And given that we are also a very new baby-faced uh, podcast, it's all we talk a little bit about how you're finding having your own podcast now coming up to your 11th episode. Where did the idea for Dads and Dev come from? Well, I have this Slack room that I keep some people that are close to me in, and it's called the Cash Money Cowork. And we were thinking about doing a podcast for the last two years or so, just all of us in there. And I couldn't really nail anybody down. But uh, earlier this year, I just said, hey, Andrew, let's start a podcast. And he was, and by the time we already finished talking about it, he had bought all the gear we needed. So we didn't have an idea of what we were going to call it or what it was going to be about. You know, we kind of knew it was going to be about development, but, uh, and so that's, that's where that came from. He, he came up with the name. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause you know, it's dads in development. We're developing as dad, as dads. And we're also dads that happen to do development. So there's kind of this double meaning. That's clever. And yeah. so that's, it's been really fun. It kind of leans on the more JavaScript side of things. I think cause it's Andrew, uh, books all the guests and so <laughs> we need to balance that out with some back-end devs or maybe some designers or something yeah and some dad puns yeah we need more of those <laughs> yeah andrew's quite the javascript head he's he's really good at that stuff i've i've uh you know been able to bounce stuff off him multiple times he's a great reference to have kind of uh for anything i need i can just shoot a question at him and he usually gets back to me within you know like 15 minutes so yeah he's really good about that I, I definitely abuse him with that. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those people in our lives, right? Yeah, you need more of those too. So yeah. you can kind of spread yeah. the pain out. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was uh, you, you recently switched your docs over for Beard to j- using Jigsaw, Adam Wathen's Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, man, Adam Wathen's getting like all the possible free publicity he could get out of this podcast. I think we've mentioned him probably three out of the last four. Um, yeah. but how was the experience using that? Did you, did you enjoy it? Would you recommend it for other people? Yeah, I definitely would recommend it. I was using another tool before and it was, it was doing okay, but Jigsaw somehow just made it a little more simpler because I could use Laravel's blade syntax. And that, that was the real probably clincher for me. I still wanted to come out with something for blogging because I want to use it for that as well, but I, I still like it the way it is right now. As soon as it does come up with something for blogging, I'm going to I'm gonna use it too. I've got it installed on my computer. I've messed around with it a little bit. Uh, my current blogging solution is Gistlog, which has been really cool. I didn't want to have to take the time to style anything myself. I just wanted to be able to literally write a markdown and just throw it up on the web. And Gistlog solved that problem for me pretty easily. So I've been using that for a while. So you, um, you're switching from one Titan product to another one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm kind of a Titan fanboy, I guess. 
Me too. So speaking of which, they are hiring if anybody's interested. So by the time this podcast comes out, they actually, you won't be able to apply anymore. I think they're reading applications today. So sorry to get your hopes up. It's over for you. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we are coming close to our time limit here. We are a little bit over what we usually are. But uh, Michael, did you have any more questions for David? Uh, David, if you have anything you would like to shamelessly plug, I think if we're going to wrap up now would be the time for you to do that. Well, you can always catch me on the Twitter at David Hempill. You can sign up for an account on pushsilver.com and get three free invoices a month. Other than that, say hi, hang out. Yeah, last thing, David. You are into MMA fighting. Are you, you're currently, right? You were for a while, then you took a break, and now you're back into it, right? I'm back. I'm back, baby. You haven't... You haven't had <laughs> haven't had any recent fights, but I will put some of your fights in the show notes because oh my gosh, <laughs> freaking awesome, dude! There's a couple that, uh, well, the one specifically put your foot through a dude's teeth, pretty much, pretty <laughs> sure. And uh, I liked, I tend to like watching MMA fighting anyway, so that was pretty awesome. And, and I think and you and me are supposed to spar at Laracon this yeah. year, isn't that? You're, you're volunteering to, to spar with this guy who just put yeah. his foot through someone's teeth? That's right. I'm <laughs> That's bringing right. popcorn, guys. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, I've been training. I've been training. <laughs> <laughs> my, with my kids. Uh, you know, I've been wrestling in the living room with my kids, so I should be all good. Yeah, you are set. Yeah. Look out, David. <laughs> yep. Well, David, thanks again for coming on, man. It's been really cool talking to you, having you on the show. And... Uh, Hopefully you have good luck with uh, Push Silver. Hope it does continues to do really well. Seems to be doing great right now. And uh, thanks for putting Beard.CSS out to the uh, to the world here, to the development world. I'm looking forward to using it sometime soon. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's been an honor. Absolutely. Thank you, David. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have any questions or comments or you have a suggestion for a future show, you can reach us on Twitter at NorthSouthAudio or email podcast at NorthMeetSouth.Audio. We're also on iTunes and your five-star ratings and reviews really help us to promote the show and let other potential listeners know we're doing a good job. Show notes for this episode can be found at NorthMeetSouth.Audio forward slash four.